Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. The 2020 Summer Series on Vision Christian Radio. If I turn in my Bible to Acts 29, I'm going to discover something pretty serious and significant. What is it? It's a, it's a shocking chapter, really. Um, in Acts 29, that chapter doesn't exist in the Bible. So uh, our network name for our church planting network, Acts 29 Network, it's a global network. Uh, we're saying, hey, the book of Acts finishes at the 28th chapter. And we are now, as God's people, living between the already of Christ's resurrection and the not yet of his return. Uh, we are living in the 29th chapter of the Acts of the Church of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's where we are right now. Okay, well, what a relief, because uh, the idea of there not being an Acts 29 for listeners who right now are turning in their Bible saying, hey, what's this <laughs> Acts 29 network? I better check this out. Hang on a second. There's not much substance to Acts 29. There is no Acts 29, except there is, because Acts 29 is what you and I are a part of. Yeah, we're standing so in it. When we talk about the cause of churches planting churches, uh, this is really something we can come back to the Scriptures and say there is a continuation of the book of Acts, it is Acts 29, and we're all supposed to be a part of that Acts 29. Some of us who are just warming the pew in church or comfortable in our church life, perhaps not even thinking about the idea of planting churches, what is it that inspires you about what church planting is to the ordinary believer? Well, I think church planting is, it really is the mark of maturity for any church. It should be what we're aiming for and, and shooting at in understanding, hey, if we're if we're kingdom people, not just me and my church, but we're thinking about the expansion of the kingdom and the advancement of the gospel here in Australia, then we need to be thinking what multiplication means for us uh, individually, both through praying through church planting or praying over church planting, giving towards church planting, being a part of church planting, equipping future church plants out of existing churches. Uh, the goal has got to be multiplication when we talk about maturity as churches. And the interesting thing here is this is not something new, is it? Because anyone who goes for a drive through Outback Australia, uh, through Australian country towns, uh, into small regional communities, bigger regional cities, into our capital cities, there are churches everywhere and that indicates something of our history, that there has been a history of church planting in Australia, and if it's not in our thinking now, perhaps it's time for a revival of that sort of thinking, Adam. Absolutely. We need tens of thousands of new churches across Australia. And sometimes you hear the thing, you know, the, the, the statement, I think it's a, a misstatement of, don't we have enough churches already? Don't we have, uh, can we just get those healthy? I mean, we've got our hands full just doing that. And the reality is, if we were to fill every single existing church five times over on a weekend, we would still be only scratching the surface of the number of people that can actually come under the sound of the gospel. So uh, take, for example, our city of the Gold Coast. We have uh, 80, 90 churches, somewhere in that range. If you were to fill every single one of those existing churches five times over, like which is probably the, the most you know any sane pastor wants to do on a weekend, um, you would maybe reach and get into the building sixty to eighty thousand people. Now, for our city, which is coming up on seven hundred thousand people, you're talking about reaching maybe ten to fifteen percent 
of the city's population that can just get into the building. So the reality is, even though it can feel like, man, there might be a lot of churches around, we've got a lot uh, of work to do in seeing more churches established and planted out. Let's talk about this Acts 29 network of which you are a part. And uh, I know that this is not in itself its own denomination. Uh, you might be able to correct me on this, but it, it actually reaches across denominations and there are churches that come from all different flavors that are a part of the Acts 29 network because they are intensely interested in planting churches. How does Acts 29 work? That's right. Acts 29 is a, a single-issue network uh, where a diverse global family of church-planting churches. And so we do share some common theological distinctives, but then we also have across the board there um, different expressions of church in Baptist and Presbyterian, Anglican, Church of Christ, uh, charismatic, non-denominational, kind of yeah, right across the theological spectrum. Um, but the shared commitment, the big idea that, uh, that binds all that together is gospel centrality and the planting of new churches. Let's talk about leaders in all of this, because if we're talking to today, uh, ordinary people, perhaps not necessarily in a formal leadership role in their local church, thinking, you know what, this is something our church could do. We've got a nearby town. We've got a suburb near us. Doesn't have our flavor denomination with a church there yet. And we ought to have one there. In fact, there's so many opportunities. I don't know why the pastor's not actually pursuing those. Sometimes the pastor's intensely busy. Uh, and there are roles for people who have this passion for doing something to expand the kingdom of God that no doubt you'd be looking to connect with. Absolutely. So, so for us, in looking at church planting as our big issue, that means both new churches being planted and then coming alongside existing churches. And we, we have a pretty rigorous assessment process for both existing churches that want to mature into church planting churches that say we want to uh, uh, celebrate sending uh, and not just seeding. Okay, you know JD Greer's got a great line uh, talking about valuing success as our sending capacity, not just as our seeding capacity. How many can we get into a room? So when we redefine success to how many can we send out, uh, it changes the way that we we look at our communities, we look at our cities, and we see, like Peter Wagner said, that the single most effective strategy under heaven is the planting of new churches for the evangelization of the world. Now, let's come back to something important here, because every single church starts as a church plant. That's right. And somehow or other, it can be very quickly lost that this is what we're supposed to prepare ourselves to do again and again. When you talk to ordinary people who say, well, I'm comfortable in my local church, uh, we're doing some good things. We're feeding the homeless. We're looking after kids with breakfast before school. We're doing all sorts of great stuff. Uh, what about this church planting idea? Is it an optional extra or is it something that somebody in church needs to be thinking about on a regular basis and looking for opportunities? No, I don't think it's an optional extra. I think it's it really is the pattern we see through the book of Acts. Um, and again, we, you know, we've got to determine between prescriptive and descriptive texts, and Acts is describing what's happening there in the early church. But we do see a fantastic model and example of Paul, uh, in particular, going into new cities and leaving in his wake new churches, uh, not just not just an evangelistic program, but an evangelistic people that were coming together around the finished work of Jesus and then looking to multiply 
that work across their city and into the surrounding towns and regions there. So uh, I think for, you know, you're talking about your average listener kind of listening in going, how important is church planting? I think it's incredibly important. Uh, one, from a uh, just a purely evangelistic impact point of view, uh, there's so much data out there. But, you know, on average, a new church plant is going to bring six to eight times more uh, people into the life of the body of Christ than an established church of that same size. So new churches better reach uh, more people who don't know Jesus right now. And I think there's a pull in all of us towards institutionalization where very, very quickly and easily we do settle. Uh, we do get into our rhythms. We do develop our own unique traditions. And that's not confined to just any denomination, right? Uh, Baptists to Anglicans to Pentecostals, everyone's got their traditions that makes uh, their flavor of church unique. But uh, when those traditions begin to trump movement and the advance of the gospel and the speeding ahead of the word of God, uh, we've we've begun to lose our way a little bit. Let me, though, uh, hit you with something that some people will be thinking, and that is, uh, but Adam, we want a big church. We don't want to hive off, you know, 30 people to go and be part of a church planting project somewhere. Uh, we're struggling to get those numbers up, and there's financial issues, and we've got budgets to meet, and uh, and we're just looking to get our church a little bit bigger so we can be a lot more comfortable. What are your thoughts for the sort of person who says uh, a big church is better than many churches? There's a right time to plant a new church out of a church. And absolutely, wisdom is going to have a really important place in determining where that church is at and its current financial ability and its current size. And uh, those are good factors to consider as long as we're saying the goal should still be the multiplication of more churches and not just we want to get our thing big here now. Really, that that serves me, my interests as a church attender, but not really the advancing of the kingdom of God. So I think new church plants are um, incredibly important in that it, it not only does it allow churches to create a healthy level of chaos okay, within their church. So you send out, typically with a church plant, you send out some of your best people. Now, what that does is that that empowers more people, more leaders within the body of Christ to spread their wings and use their gifts to the glory of God in reaching more people uh, with the message of Jesus. And it creates a vacuum in the sending church that allows people who might have been just sort of flying under the radar to go, you know what, there's a, there's a leadership gap here and allows them to step in and step up and carry more weight, more meaningful uh, engagement with their own local church. So it is costly, absolutely. It's cost us more emotionally, more financially, um, more just just thinking through uh, what we call gospel goodbyes in Acts 29. Uh, you know, these bittersweet see you laters, but for the sake of the kingdom, those are hard to do, absolutely. But so, okay, let me let me tell it to you and what's happened at our church, Liberty. We were able to send out a core group on our second birthday as a church of fifty something people up. Uh, from Carrara, where our church is on the Gold Coast, to Coomera, which is uh, an area between Brisbane and the Gold Coast that's just expanding rapidly. Lots of new people moving to Coomera. And so uh, we sent out 50 or so mature, godly, generous, disciple-making disciples to form a new church. And they were already on the ground up there, 
that were already living amongst the community. And did that cost us? You bet it did. Our church is never going to be the same again because of the people that we sent out. But we know that Coomer is never going to be the same again because of the people we sent out. And so it is costly, but the cost is worth it. A biblical perspective of life, culture, and current events. The 2020 Summer Series on Vision. Yeah, we, we went pretty quick. And so that's, that's unusually quick. And that's not something to say, hey, you should plant a church in the first two years of your church plant. Uh, that's just how God unfolded our particular part of that story. Um, I think you need to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading and what he's doing within that church. And it may be a season of, of just getting healthy and viable, that's, that's a good thing. And then, but always thinking, what's our next step? What's our next missional risk that God's calling us to take in the expansion of his kingdom and in the multiplication of churches that plant churches, that plant churches, that plant churches? So uh, I think, look, uh, there's, there's some statistics that come in around if, you don't plant a church within the first five years or so of your church's life, there's a good chance you never will. Uh, now, that's just a stat. That's not you know, you know biblical truth, but it's sobering. So we want church plants in Acts 29 to be thinking toward from day one, what does it look like for us to perhaps, Lord willing, send out a church plant or a church planter in the first five or so years of their life as a church. Okay, there's a good time frame there. What about the sort of person who might be ideal as the one who might spearhead or lead that church plant? Uh, is there a particular age? Is this a time for uh, young men and women, young couples, even young families to be the leaders of these church plants? Or is this a time for someone perhaps who's a mature believer? Sometimes people talk about a time when in your life where you have a second wind. You've done some good things in your career. You're at a point where you say, now what am I going to do to serve God? Is this the appropriate time? Or mm. is it for even people who are in retirement years thinking, I've got 20 good years ahead of me yet. Why don't we go and plant a church? What about an optimal type of person and age to go church planting? Oh, I love that question. There's young guys in particular that early 20s can start feeling that burn towards church planting and and maybe, but we would say, hey, just test that in a, in a local church. Just, just allow yourself to grow and mature in the word. Uh, early 20s, I know speaking from experience, uh, is also the equivalent of just arrogance, uh, thinking we know more than what we actually do. And so I'm glad we didn't plant a church in our early 20s. That would have been a total catastrophe. So I thank God that we were under, we were able to be under good and godly leadership that matured us, that, that allowed us space to still serve with our gifts and still be a blessing, but, but not go run too fast, too far out in front without first being tested and without having, uh, just some, you know, having some of the knocks of life sober me as a young man and and deepen empathy for others who might be suffering. Uh, there's just not a lot in your early 20s that qualify you for that pastoral empathy. But all that to say, no, I don't think there's a hard age. I mean, we're kind of looking for uh, and encouraging, you know, if there's young guys that are thinking, you know, church planning, uh, if you're under 25, hey, maybe go be a part of a church plan, be a part of that team, learn it uh, from the team angle. And then after 25 or so, not not that it's a hard rule, but but we're looking for that in the assessment after 25. Yeah, start exploring that as a possibility. 
Uh, and then you said uh, people who are older in life, right, more seasoned in their years. Uh, I heard a story recently of a group of 80-something-year-olds who moved into the same retirement home for the sake of planting a church there to reach their peers with the gospel. That's one of my favorite things I've heard in the last few years. That's incredible. This is so interesting because sometimes we can have in our mind uh, the picture of what a church plant looks like. Uh, someone's thinking, oh, we go and hire a warehouse space, or someone's thinking we buy a block of land and we build a shed on it. Uh, but then, as you say, the church plant doesn't have to actually look like a building. It no. looks like what those group of people might be in the context they find themselves in. So in a retirement village, you can have a church being planted by people who have that passion to plant the church there. Absolutely. Uh, let me give you another example. Uh, one of our heroes in Acts 29 that we just love uh, is a guy named Ray Ortland, and he passed as Emmanuel Church over in Nashville. Uh, Ray planted Emmanuel Nashville at 58 years old, and he's coming up on 70 this year, in the next year or so. And looking to pass that church plant on to a younger guy. But what a great example of someone in the later years of their life, 58, going, I got, I got some gas in the tank still. I got something to, to give. I'm not done yet. And planting a church that's now had a healthy transition. And, man, praise God for, for guys more seasoned in their years putting their hand up to say, yeah, I'll plant a church too. Uh, just your thoughts on 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 half the network at this point, uh, ready to actually give birth to a new church. This is something that is happening right now. For those who are wondering about right. the health of the church in Australia, uh, you've got your network of churches and half of those in the network are ready to give birth to another church. Yeah, that's right. So the first few years in Acts 29, Australia and New Zealand was about just you know phase 1.0, getting churches planted and healthy, just getting them to a place of viability Becoming self-sustaining, that's really, really important. If you're going to plant healthy churches, you need to be a healthy church. So that was the first few years, and a guy named David Fandy, uh, his wife Wilma were coming out three or four times a year from San Diego. They're an Acts 29 church over in the USA, and David was leading the network during those early years and did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And we officially passed that baton on to myself in the middle of last year. And we're at a place now that's really exciting where it feels like the wind is really in the sail and the Holy Spirit is moving and we would have at least 50% of our network pregnant with a church plant themselves, many of them starting off as church plants just in the last few years or so. Before we get into a big conversation about wealth redistribution, something happens when there are uh, church plants into uh, poorer communities. And I'm just reflecting on uh, my understanding, and uh, you might be familiar with the great missiologist Donald McGavran, who came out with a wonderful, wonderful observation uh, that when churches are planted in poorer communities, and he was talking missionally into uh, tribal communities, what happened was uh, as people were experiencing redemption, and they were gathering in this community, the blessing of God was coming to them, and they were being lifted out of their poverty. Your thoughts in general around those points? Well, I, th I think if we look at the Acts Church, we see a church that was serious about community. They, they shared their lives. They weren't checking a box for an hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday. 
and then going about the rest of their lives as a disconnected group of individuals with some similar worldviews around Jesus. They were knit together by the Holy Spirit. And so the gospel, and only the gospel, can bring about the kind of unity that can uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, it talks about, uh, and they shed all things in common, right? And so there, there's this presence now together in relationship around the gospel under the word of God where they're naturally wanting to meet one another's needs because they see it, because relationship has happened there. And I think the same happens when we plant healthy churches in those hard places, sort of to, like, similar to what you're saying there, just the sheer presence of a community of believers meeting one another's needs there is going to lift uh, the, the level of human flourishing in that place. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.